Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. This is Peter Pettit, the teaching pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our gospel reading for this week is written in John, the sixth chapter. This is the first of seven I am sayings that John presents in which Jesus teaches about how God relates to the world, to the whole creation, in and through Jesus 
And in this reading, listen especially for how God relates to us, not just through our heads or our beliefs, but in all of us from the inside as nourishment for life. By the way, you'll hear a reference to the Jews in this reading. This is part of John's unfortunate and widely misunderstood habit of caricature. There are no specific Jews in view here. This is not Judaism, and it's certainly not our Jewish neighbors. This is a voice that John introduces into his narrative to move along his story of God in Jesus and in us. The Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Like many people, I spent a certain amount of time earlier this month as a spectator at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, well, at least on television I was, and it reminded me of a curious habit that athletes have developed when they are victorious. Um, at the Olympics, it comes when the gold medal is presented. Uh, you can see it at Grand Slam tennis events with the trophies and the plates, or at the open golf tournament in Great Britain when the claret jug is presented. The curious thing is that the athletes will take their trophy, plate, medal, claret jug, and they actually just chomp on it. They put it in their mouth and they try to take a bite out of it is what it looks like. And I couldn't understand why they might do this, so I did a little searching and found at least one explanation that this may date back to the days before the purity of metal that was put into these kinds of objects uh, was standardized. So before it was standardized, if you wanted to test whether the gold coin that somebody was giving you was authentic, 
you would actually try to bite it. And since gold is soft, if it's authentic, you'll leave a tooth mark. If it's not, you'll break a tooth. Well, the idea that we need to test things for authenticity, that we need to know what's real and what's fake, what's true and what's false, this comes up in all kinds of areas of our lives, not just with athletes and their trophies, because none of us wants to be fooled. None of us wants to be misled. None of us wants to be harmed. And it's especially true when we're facing the unknown, when there's a great deal of uncertainty about the circumstances in which we find ourselves. How often when we are suffering some kind of health problem and don't yet have a diagnosis or a treatment, how often do we say, you know, it's not really the illness so much, it's the not knowing that's so troublesome. Or if in a part of our life something goes sour that we thought was going well, we may say, well, if only I had more information. Or in a business deal that doesn't turn out the way we had hoped, if only I had done more due diligence. Because of this need to know what's right or true, there has developed over the millennia around the world in all kinds of cultures a long tradition of passing on wisdom from one generation to the next. We know it in our American culture, for example, with Poor Richard's Almanac or uh, the book a couple of decades ago, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, or perhaps Charlotte Ford's Guide to 21st Century Etiquette. Uh, these collections, these catalogs, these things that if you know this, you will live well. It's an international tradition. It goes back millennia. Ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Persia all had their versions. The sayings of Confucius in some ways coming from China are part of this broad wisdom tradition. And in biblical Israel, the tradition is also represented in books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, some of the Psalms, where the idea of wisdom, this notion of wisdom, is personified as a woman, as lady wisdom. And in, for example, Proverbs chapter 9, lady wisdom is portrayed as setting out a feast for people, a feast of things that are important to know in life, and you will live well. Well, in our gospel reading for today, John chapter 6, John presents Jesus as the wisdom that is offered by lady wisdom. Jesus says in the beginning part of this chapter, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. How is it that he can be this bread? Well, Jesus quotes Psalm Isaiah 54, where it says, they shall all be taught by God. This bread from heaven that John first references in Jesus' speech is divine teaching. It's the word of God in that sense, not manna, such as fills the belly, but Torah and gospel that is the teaching of God. You know, this idea of wisdom embodied as bread or as the, the teaching that 
tells us what is true. I've, I've wondered sometimes whether this is the origin of some of the common phrases we have in our language. So when somebody gives us something that we really need to ponder to decide whether it's true or not, we say, well, you know, I really need to chew on that, or I think I'll chew that over. Uh, when there's something we want to offer that we believe is really true, really authentic, really worthwhile, we say, you know, you can really sink your teeth into this. More negatively, perhaps this is even the source of times when we say, I'm really fed up with that, or I've had my fill of that, or when somebody proposes something to us that seems preposterous and couldn't possibly be true, what do we say? You know, that's really pretty tough to swallow. But here's the problem. Whose wisdom? Which wisdom? There's lots of wisdom on offer. Just check out the internet for all the wisdom that's there. It's not just the seven habits of highly effective people. Go to the self-help section in the bookstore. You can find 77 or 70 times seven habits of supposedly highly effective people. And we're back to biting the metal. Is this gold standard truth that I'm being offered? Might it just be someone's opinion? Could it be propaganda? And this isn't a new problem. It existed in John's day as well, in Jesus' day. And so John serves up another course in this feast and draws on another of the Bible's traditions. The notion that what is true is what comes in a relationship. Not just what's in our head, not just propositions, not just doctrines. God didn't come to Israel on the, to Israel and Moses on the mountain and hand Moses the tablets and send them down saying, here you go, Moses, here's the wisdom, here are the tablets, good luck. God said to Israel, I will be your God and you will be my people. God came to dwell with Israel in the wilderness in a tabernacle, in the land, in the temple, even in exile in the scriptures. And John, picking up on that tradition, says God's word has come to dwell with the world. In that magnificent opening hymn of John's first chapter in the gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. It's that flesh in which God dwelt, Jesus' flesh, that Jesus says is the living bread, the source of life, the true bread. The truth that comes in relationships we know this in our lives. Educators for years have passed on the mantra and the insight that your students really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Some of the great social activists of the 20th century, Dorothy Day and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, each in their own way understood that they had to be in relationship with the communities, the societies, the people for whom they were trying to make a difference, or their efforts would ring false and hollow and miss the mark. There's a well-known story, comes in many forms. I've heard it 
in terms of a Hasidic rabbi who had a particularly devout student who would constantly, persistently, insistently say, oh, rabbi, I love you, rabbi, I love you, rabbi, my love for you is overflowing. And finally, one day, the rabbi turned to the student and said, tell me, do you know what hurts me? The student was taken aback and said, I didn't know you were hurting. How could I know what hurts you? The rabbi said, how can you say you love me if you don't know what hurts me? You see, when I relate to someone only as the voice of an opinion, as a repository of knowledge, as the holder of a doctrine, apart from the living flesh that feels and yearns and needs, then I do not live as one of God's people. I do not live in God's wisdom because God's wisdom creates and builds and thrives in full, honest relationships. This weekend here at St. Paul, we have a focus on food with our garden share and our food ingathering. And with all the chronic hunger and emergency need and disruptions of supply and disruptions of life in our communities these days, this is a good thing. This is one of the best things that we do this summer as a community. If you have, give. And if you need, take. And many will find a blessing and relief because of what we are doing this weekend. And yet, like manna, what we give today will be gone tomorrow, actually or figuratively. It cannot last. It will not remain. But God has given more, a relationship that sustains and remains, made possible because God came and lived among us to know us and our circumstances and what hurts us, and so to love us. And so we also can love when we are filled by Christ. We will know what is true in the world when we take courage to step into it in ways that create relationship. In building relationships, we have God's promise also to dwell in those with us and for Jesus' living body to give us life as well. At the end of the gospel, John presents us with a scene of Jesus on the lake shore with his disciples actually having breakfast together. Three times, Jesus turns to Peter and asks, do you love me? Peter, who had denied him three times. And three times, Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Of course I love you, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. He's not talking about manna that fills the belly, at least not only that. He's talking about life-sustaining relationships in which Christ is present with truth. 
That's why we move out into the world, why we spend time with those who hurt, seek out circumstances and life situations that are unfamiliar to us. We do it to know better the whole wide, wonderful world that God loves. We do it to follow where Jesus has led. We cannot give our flesh for the life of the world, but we can come to know the truth that is born of relationships. And the truth, Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, will set us free. Amen.
Lord, keep teaching us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. As you move on through your days and nights, may God's grace fill you like a satisfying feast and lead you into deeper, richer, meatier encounters with the whole big wide world that God loves. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.